Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Go, go, Astros. Welcome to Houston Sports Talk's live Astros Mariners postgame show. Robert Land alongside Stephen Kerr. Between the two of us, 60 years combined in sports journalism. We're doing this after every single Astros postgame or after every single Astros postseason game. And Stephen... Superman came through again. He comes out, takes off the glasses, and hits another huge home run. What else can you say? So do you think it's too soon to start building the statue that would go outside Minute Maid Park of Jordan Alvarez? Robert, you, you think we could start getting constructed on that pretty soon? I, I think Drayton's working <laughs> on it as we speak, isn't he? <laughs> well, Drayton, yeah, Drayton may be helping. Uh, Jim Crane, I'm sure, is going to have a lot to say about it, too. But. <laughs> Yeah, Drayton, Drayton was all about the statues, but uh, just uh, unbelievable stuff by Jordan again. Uh, big home run, but there were other heroes in this one. And Stephen, I tell you what, the Mariners, are they're frisky. They're not making this easy for us. No, they're certainly not. And you knew that they, they had their best days, really their best pitcher, Luis Castillo, going. You knew he was going to have great stuff. And just, you know, with the way the Astros offense has been so up and down, and yeah, I just, it didn't surprise me that he just, I mean, he had them befuddled except for those few mistakes that he made, but otherwise he kept the team in the game. And look, you know, Frommer got shaky in the fourth inning and, you know, had his moments, but he was sharp throughout quite a bit too. And he at least kept the team in a position to win the game. And that's really all you can ask of a pitcher. If they're not going to be totally dominating, just give the team a chance to win. I had forgotten how shaky Fromber was in the last postseason until they brought it up on the broadcast. But against the Mariners, he had been fantastic. Nine career games, 5-0, 1.94 ERA, zero homers allowed in 51 innings. Still hasn't given up a home run. He just had those two innings where he got a little bit wild, Stephen. That's it. Yeah, and you know, I've seen this from him before, Robert. It, it seems like in the middle innings, you know, I guess it happens with every pitcher at some point, some of them do it at the very first inning. Some kind of fall apart in the fifth or sixth. You know, Fromber has had these middle inning ruts before, so it's not very surprising. But again, and there was there was one pitch, or there was one at bat, I know, um, when he walked Suarez, and Maldonado was framing the pitch, trying to make it look like a strike, and Fromber got a bit irritated. And you always worry about Fromber's mindset when that happens. But as I said, he he kept the team in the game and, and at least gave him a chance to win. Want to do a little shout out to a comment that we've got. Mr. Falcon says Air Jordan is on his way to being a legend. He's an amazing talent. I think that's a little bit of an understatement, Stephen. <laughs> <Just> yeah. like... <laughs> well, you know, I, I think we've run out of superlatives to to talk about Jordan and, and what he's done. And I don't know about you, Robert, but you know, after he hit that home run on Tuesday, I I was on my Twitter feed. And I was playing the video and, you know, I, where you play the video and it just keeps going and playing back over and over again until you stop it. I lost track of how many times I have watched that video since then. Honestly, I, I just put that sucker on loop, sat back and just kept watching, kept watching, kept watching. I mean, who can blame you? And then he does it again on Thursday. My goodness. Yeah. If you've got a Jordan story, put it in the comments. Let's hear from you. And just a reminder to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. That's how you can support us. We are sponsor-free at the moment. We're trying to get sponsors, but we need your help. We think we're putting out some great content. 
several shows a week. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on. But let's let's go back to the beginning of this game, Stephen. Second inning, Kyle Tucker solo home run. Third inning, runners on second, two outs. Altuve, what a play! Ozzy Smith style play to end the inning. That's what it reminded me of. And Yuli again, shows us why you trust him at first base in the postseason, making the scoop at the other end. That's absolutely right. And something I know we were worried about, Robert, because I know we've talked about this on the podcast, that, you know, the way Altuve sometimes has played defense, and in fact, the whole Astros defense, you know, during the regular season, Altuve was among the worst in defensive runs saved with a negative 15. But he didn't look like it today. I mean, he made that play. And I'm sure you're going to get to the, you know, the next play. He, he made two plays, basically, where he backhands the ball, stops it up the middle. Altuve not doing a whole lot at the plate, but, boy, the plays in the field were massive in this game, still making an impact. So we go to the fourth inning, and that's where Fromber really lost it. He couldn't find the strike zone, gives up the double down the line, had the wild throw to home on the squibber, and then gives up a solid RBI, RBI single to right. It's 2-1 Mariners, and... The wild throw to home, Stephen, that's one where you felt like the pressure and maybe postseason things and the fact that he wasn't able to hit the strike. The frustration may have got to him because it was just it was a bad throw. I don't even know if it was the correct decision right there either. Well, if he he may have had a little more time to throw, I think he, he just felt hurried and he spun around when he threw the ball. And yeah, I you know, getting behind early in counts and of course walks always kill you, especially in the postseason. His curveball just wasn't breaking as sharply as it had earlier. So I think you're right, Robert. I, th- I think the frustration mounted, you know, just with the adrenaline going and the fact that he probably wasn't in a great position to make that throw, and that's what happened. So then we go to the sixth inning, and he gets in trouble again the second time. More bad control, a couple walks, upload the bases, but Hector Neris comes in, bails him out, big play, and then bottom of the sixth right after this. Jeremy Pena, bloop single. Jeremy Pena has been so big in this series so far. But then, of course, he sets up. Who else? Jordan Magic. He does it. Again. It was like on cue. You knew he was going to do it when he walked up to the plate. You could just feel it, Steve. I you just could feel almost, it yeah, you almost feel like they were playing the video from the other day, except it was a different inning. And so, yeah, a repeat of Tuesday where Pena comes up, sets up Alvarez to hit a home run. And I'm, I'm so glad that Jeremy Pena, because, you know, the, the first three at-bats on Tuesday, Robert, he looked a little lost. It, looked like, it took him a little while to find himself. But my goodness, he found himself in that last at-bat on Tuesday, and he did it again today. So let's go to the bottom of the eighth, because we go back to Jeremy Pena, and we can skip to other stuff, Stephen, uh, if you want to down the road. But this is the other huge inning, because he gets a tough walk, really works the count. The Mariners, they're sick of Jordan at this point. They're like, hey, there's first base. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> let's walk him. They didn't even have to throw the pitches to him. You know, now you can just say, hey, we're walking you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I don't know if he's going to see many if there's like bases open the rest of the yeah. series. <laughs> so uh, they, they give him first, and then Bregman comes up with a huge RBI single. We mentioned the two-run homer and how that sort of got lost in the shuffle in the last game, but he comes up big, and... It's an RBI single because of Jeremy Pena and his elite speed because that would have been a play at the plate for just about every other Astro. Maybe Kyle Tucker makes it easy, maybe Altuve, but uh, Jeremy Pena's speed there was huge to get that run in. 
Carlos who? And <laughs> you know, I know Carlos was on the TBS broadcast and I saw that today, but that, that's what uh, I think Houston Chronicles, Brian T. Smith said, Carlos who? Yeah. It's great to see Jeremy Pena doing this. And it's the little things, Robert, you know, we talk about it so much in the postseason. It's the little things that sets up the big things. The, the only thing worse that could have happened for Seattle is if Bregman had homered. I mean, not that it would have mattered because the score ended up four to two, but yeah, Bregman's going to make him pay for walking Alvarez. But I mean, what are you going to do? Can you blame him for walking him? I, I certainly would have done the same thing. Even if you have a guy like Bregman coming to the plate, I'll check my chances with him over Alvarez the way he's been batting lately. Ryan Presley didn't look all that great, but he got that huge line drive to first base and it let, leads to a double play. And that was massive in the ninth inning. The strikeout ends the game, but Steven, I want to go back to the eighth inning because Montero pitches the eighth after, you know, just the one, I think it was one batter in the seventh yeah. inning. Yeah. And so then, you know, you thought when he got in trouble, they might go to Ryan Stanek, but Stanek never even warmed up. And I'm wondering, they mentioned about illnesses going through the Astros. And I wonder if that's the case, unless they just don't think Stanek is a good matchup against the Mariners. But, you know, Stanek is this guy that, you know, he could throw the ball right down the middle. And if he's on, you're not going to hit it. And, you know, that's that's a guy that you really feel like you could use against this Mariners team because right now they're showing great patience at the plate, really work Fromber a lot and counts. They work Montero a lot. So they're, they're doing a great job with that. You figure, you know, Ryan Stanek, he just throws fastballs and dares you to hit it right over the middle. Well, that's a great point. And yeah, Montero, of course, had pitched the other day and he came in. And I, I tell you what, we got to mention Kyle Tucker. He, he saved... Montero's bacon catching that right field uh, line drive to the right field wall in that inning, you know, and then it gets the strikeout to Raleigh on a changeup. So, you know, things just came through. They all came through when they needed to, but yeah, Montero, you, you do have to kind of wonder about Stanek. I haven't heard anything more about the illness in the clubhouse, except for the other day when it was kind of up in the air, whether Fromber was going to be the game two starter. So yeah, it is interesting that maybe, as you said, it was a matchup thing. Any other big moments in this game that struck you or anything that I've missed? I mean, I'm sure there's tons of them, but I, I'm blanking on them at the moment. Well, I, I think that, you know, the the walks were a little bit more disturbing, I think, in this game. But, you know, thankfully, they, they didn't come back to haunt them. I, I just, you know, you're talking about pitchers that haven't pitched in a week. You know, look at Hector Neris. He came on. He only threw four pitches, but he hadn't pitched in a week either. And he got an out. So it just varies from pitcher to pitcher of how it's going to go. You know, Presley was a little shaky, but he did get the job done. What did you think of the decision to go with Aledmus Diaz over Mancini? And also we had Jake Myers over Chaz McCormick. Well, I, I certainly agreed with the Diaz decision. And you know what, Robert? Dusty, listen to you. Dusty Baker, listen to you. You know what? I'll tell you what, after the season's over, now Joe Espada is uh, interviewing with the Marlins and, you know, he may be the new manager somewhere, whether it's with the Astros or somewhere else, they're going to be looking for a new bench coach, Robert. They may be giving you a call. So, uh, you know, stay by your phone. Yeah, I'll be looking for, <laughs> I'll, I'll be looking for some uh, uh, toothpicks in the mail that will signal me that Dusty's about to give me a, a phone call. But yeah, that, that decision, no issue with the Jake Myers one. I don't know. I, you know, he got, maybe a weekend before the end of the season after looking awful for the two months that he played earlier this year. And I know it takes almost a year for this injury, the shoulder injury to repair, 
Stephen, but the question I thought about going into this one was Jake Myers' arm. Is that going to be an issue? You know, because that was an issue when he was playing a couple of months ago. And I don't know if they've seen enough and they thought, well, his arm looks a lot better and it looks better than maybe Chaz McCormick. So that's why we want him out there and we want the defense. But the one thing about Jake Myers is he's more of a defensive player right now than an offensive player. Chaz McCormick's more of an offensive player than a defensive player. With Fromber, a ground ball pitcher, I, I just found found it a, a real questionable decision. And then Jake Myers didn't do anything at the plate. And they bring in Hensley, who had a, a fantastic at-bat, I thought. Another great – he's had two great at-bats in this postseason. Yeah, he's definitely battled. And I, I don't know. The, the whole thing with McCormick is just so puzzling, and it has been all season. And I was listening to the um, pregame show uh, on Sports Talk 790, Robert. I, of course, I'm in Austin, but I can listen to him on the Internet. I stream them quite a bit. You know, and they, and they talk about – how Dusty Baker doesn't seem to be that enamored with Chaz McCormick. And I think you and I have talked about it too, Robert. I don't know what it is. Chaz's bat is definitely better. I I would rather have him in to start the game. And then if you're that concerned about making a defensive replacement, perhaps putting Myers in in the late innings and doing that, I, I just, but, but you want the bat, I think, throughout most of the game, especially the way the offense has been, kind of stopping and starting, you know, through these two games and really through the whole season. So, yeah, I kind of wonder about this whole Chaz McCormick thing and what Dusty Baker, he, he just keeps him out in some of the most interesting places. And you use Hensley, and I love Hensley, and typically I would be super happy about that. I just thought you end up using three players there when you only needed to use two because Chaz McCormick is a, a really good hitter. I mean, it just doesn't seem like Dusty has confidence in his offense and his defense and anything that Chaz McCormick said. He's just in his doghouse, and I don't quite understand it. feels like they're seeing something, Dusty's seeing something, coaches are seeing something that we aren't because yeah. he's been re- relatively clutch. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I, I can't even remember a mistake that he's made on defense this year and and not much at all in the last two years. And I just don't get it. I just don't. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he has improved, especially playing center field. You know, he can also play left field, and he may be more comfortable there. But, gosh, you're going to have Alvarez in left field, and, you know, you're not going to take him out there. So that would be his position would be center field. I think he's gotten better in center as time went on. And, yeah, you know, Myers didn't do anything to screw it up today. He just didn't contribute. And I think that's the difference there. Goyo Falcone, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, ask a question, and I'm going to throw it to you, Stephen. Would you say the Astros are a dynasty? I believe if they win a championship this year, they should be considered a dynasty. What's your take? What do you think, Stephen? I think you have to win at least two. You you have to win at least multiple championships to be a dynasty. Yes, the Astros have gotten there. You know, they've gotten to the ALCS, what, five straight, looking for six? They've gone to the World Series multiple times, but they've only won one. So I think it's crucial they win at least another one. And, you know, tainted or not, they have two World Series championships. Then I think you can start talking about dynasty. But if they lose another, if they lose in the ALCS championship series and then another World Series loss, you know, you can certainly say they've been a great team over the years. But just to put the D word, yeah, I, I would say no, Robert. What about you? Yeah, I, I feel like you you got to win another championship 
But I go back to that Braves team in the 90s. What would you say about them? Because they're the epitome of what the Astros are right now. Yeah, that's that's another great question. I mean, the Braves certainly were in position, especially with all that great pitching. And they do talk a lot about the Braves teams. But I myself just, I, I'm not that freewheeling with the dynasty word. I, I think it all boils down to championships. And you can get close, but, and that certainly makes you a great team. And you can certainly put those Braves teams up there as some of the greatest teams in baseball history. But to say they're a dynasty, they would have had to win more championships, I think, back then. Yeah, it's a little bit of semantics. Uh, one of the things Dusty said yesterday, Stephen, was that he might use Verlander in game four because of the strange scheduling that would give Verlander full rest. But I'm not a fan of juggling the rotation when you can use somebody like Christian Javier in game four and give your 39-year-old pitcher who struggled twice this season against the Mariners a little extra time. Remember, it wasn't just this last game in the postseason, but he also struggled against them in the regular season, gave up six runs. It was his worst start. And, you know, Verlander struggled in the playoffs. I'm like, just let Javier pitch. You know, there's no reason to get panicky and put Verlander in when you can give him an extra day rest. You can say it's his regular rest, but this season, a lot of times it wasn't his regular rest. We were given guys, you know, a five-day break because we had six guys in the rotation. Well, it's an interesting dilemma. I mean, what do you do? You pitch him in game four, and, you know, let's say he doesn't win. Then if there is a game five, you pitch Javier, and, and he's going to be the deciding factor. But I tell you what, yeah, I, we keep underestimating Javier. Not, not us, Robert. You and I don't. But I, I will say this. There was an article I read just recently in uh, Sports Weekly, which is a publication put out by USA Today. And they picked a player from each team, you know, that somebody that might have been underrated but could stand out in the playoffs. And they picked Christian Javier, and, and rightfully so, because of, of all the pitchers on this staff, especially in the starting rotation, Javier's got to be your most dangerous guy. And his stuff is just absolutely electric. So I might say you probably would want to just go ahead and pitch him in game four. You know, you've got enough of a bullpen where if he runs into trouble and, and doesn't go very deep that you can use them and then save Verlander for game five if you have to. His stuff is better than Verlander. I'll be honest. Oh, absolutely. Certainly lately it has been. Oh, and I think just all year it's been better than Verlander. Verlander is such a smart pitcher and he's a veteran guy. But here's the difference, Stephen, and we always talk about the difference between regular season pitching and postseason pitching. And you can be really smart and get through on guile a lot of times in the regular season, but if your stuff isn't elite and you're not on top of your game, that doesn't always bode well in the postseason. A lot of times we'll see these guys that just have just tremendous stuff and they can't put it together over the course of a regular season for 30 games, but you get them in the postseason and everybody goes, oh my God, they have they have this fantastic stuff and they're so hard to hit. And all the, they get on a little bit of a roll and lo and behold, they're, they're the MVP of that postseason or the MVP of a series or something. Well, I think it's been proven. Uh, you know, in 2017, Verlander was on in the postseason. But, uh, you know, in, in the 2019 World Series, he struggled and, and some other playoff games that year he struggled. So, yeah, it, it is a whole different game. And, and I'm not saying that Verlander, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't pitch in the postseason, but it does kind of make you wonder if, if he has another rough start, Robert, in this postseason, it really has to, has to make you wonder, well, 
you know, what is the stark difference? The, the one thing I will say about Verlander, yes, he is smart, and but one of the ways he is smart is that he does go back immediately, even during the game or certainly after the game, and tries to fix whatever has been needs to be corrected and watching video. He's very intent on doing that and usually will bounce back. And that's what the Astros have to hope for, because if he doesn't, then it really is going to be something we have to worry about however long the Astros stay in the postseason. Brandy, one of our viewers says Justin Verlander has to pitch on Monday. And I, I won't just say that <laughs> Christian Javier has got better stuff than Justin Verlander. He's got the four best stuff of the four starters that the Astros are going with. I think uh, Lance is better stuff. And Fromber's got, you know, Fromber's stuff is still wicked. I mean, his problem was just walking guys today. That was it. Yeah, I know Brandy, and she is a huge Justin Verlander fan, as I am too. And I and I get it. You know, I I totally get it. You you could say that maybe pitching him in Game Four will help him bounce back. It it will give him a chance to bounce back a little sooner than making him wait till either Game Five or you know if the Astros win this series to be the game one starter in the ALCS. So she, she's know, saying the, Monday, she's saying Monday. Monday, so oh, that, Monday. Is, that is game five. Now, well, remember? I think I know, I think I know why. Yeah, that is game five. I know why she's saying Monday. That's her birthday. So of <laughs> course she has to pitch on her birthday. <laughs> so, yeah. You did say Monday. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, well, happy birthday. The, Brandy. That's a good reason. That's a good reason. <laughs> uh, what about anything moving forward in this series that you're going to look for? Because, the Astros now in, in tremendous shape, but it, this the momentum, every time you have a day off, it just seems like the momentum goes away a little bit. You felt like, well, the Astros had a little bit of momentum going into this game after Tuesday, but it, it, it was, you know, it was one of those things where, yeah, they've had a whole day off and the Mariners could kind of regroup. Well, you know, there's an old saying, Robert, is momentum is your next starting pitcher. And it almost proved that today with Luis Castillo for Seattle. I mean, he certainly gave them a chance to win the game. And now, you know, you go into Saturday, you have a day off, you go into Saturday, you, you've got McCullers against uh, George Kirby. So who's going to come out on top in that one? So really momentum is, is, is all about who your next guy up is. And that's what I think we have to keep an eye on. You know, the Astros are five and four in Seattle this season. They were seven and three at home against them in the regular season, five and four when they were in Seattle. So, you know, they, they weren't dominant, but they it's, it's not a ballpark that they've had trouble winning in. So I certainly think they could take, if not the next game, you know, certainly one of these games in Seattle and wrap this up. Let's, let's certainly hope they do that. The one guy you have to get going at the plate is Jose Altuve, but everybody yep. else has stepped up as far as your two through six hitters. I, I wasn't expecting a ton. From the rest of the order, we know there's some question marks down there at the bottom. But uh, and 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 Yuli also, I two through six. Yeah. I think I said two through six, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, you you got a double from Maledmus Diaz, so that was a good decision to to let him start. That worked out pretty well. You get a double from him. That that's great from Maledmus Diaz. And I, I would personally, I would keep him in there and let him hit. I know the reasoning is supposedly. Well, this is a guy with great stuff, and Aledmus is going to be able to handle it a little bit better. But I just, I just feel like he's going to make contact, and even when he makes outs, a lot of time they're loud outs, and you know, a lot of times Mancini, it's just a, a strikeout. So you might need Mancini still as a pinch hitter, but I would go with Aledmus Diaz 
at, at, at most for the next game and probably for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, I, I just don't see that. I don't see the reasoning for Jake Myers, you know, moving forward. I, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I, I certainly have to say Diaz needs to be your guy. And, and that's another reason we were talking about Chaz McCormick. I, I want his bat in the lineup. You know, when you get to the lower end of that lineup, you need all the help you can get. I mean, you've got to start Maldonado, and you certainly had to start him with Fromber pitching because Fromber is such a hard guy to catch. And you could see a couple of times when, you know, Maldonado had to really do some acrobatics to catch some of the, the pitches he was throwing. So he's going to be starting. So, you know, his bat is weak at the bottom of the lineup. So you've got to have as much punch near the bottom of that order as you can get. So that's why I would say go with Diaz and, and go with McCormick a little bit more and, and start him a little bit more and try to get as much out of the bottom of the order as you can, especially in Seattle. And you know what? That place is going to be rocking, Robert, because they haven't had a playoff game there in 21 years. I have a feeling that Maldonado will start on Saturday, but since there's three games in a row, I'm wondering if Christian Vasquez might start on Sunday if we get to a game four. It is possible, and he certainly could. Um, and, you know, I think in certain spots you could put Christian Vasquez in there, uh, but Maldonado is definitely going to get the bulk of your starts. I mean, that's just that, that's how Dusty's been rolling the whole time. So I don't think he's going to change that during the postseason. We've gone over tons of positives in the last two post games, but I've got one gripe, and it's a huge gripe, and you know what I'm talking about, Stephen. The <laughs> I've Astros. Been, I've been watching fans. you on Twitter, Robert. <laughs> so I said it all through the game. The Astros fans at Minute Maid were embarrassingly bad. And they're going to say, well, we cheered and we yelled and what, but you can't just cheer when they do something good. It's the playoffs. And how you get a home field advantage to make it work is you get into it every single huge pitch that your pitchers got and you get it into it throughout the game. You can't wait for momentum and wait to do something good. You've got to force momentum by your voice and your loudness and your enthusiasm. You've got to get in the other team's heads. They were sitting on their hands all through this game. It's an afternoon game. I get it, but there was no reason for this. I mean, after what happened on Tuesday, I can't believe how quiet this crowd was. I, I absolutely can't either. And, and I'll tell you something, it needs to start before the first pitch is thrown. You need to get your head in the game and be loud before the game even starts and, and just keep it up. I mean, I know baseball is not like football and it's not as explosive in the sense of, you know, play after play, but come on. And, and here's another reason you need to do that, Robert. You've got, you know, the pitchers have the pitch comms where they have to hear the catcher. Can you think about the fans screaming and hollering when the opposing pitcher is on the mound and they're going to have trouble hearing the pitch comm? They're going to have, you know, and then the pitch clock's going to be coming pretty soon. That's a factor that you can weigh in. But right now, you can get in the pitcher's heads just by screaming and yelling, even if, you know, somebody hadn't just hit a home run. So you're absolutely right. In fact, I put this out on Twitter my question was, did the Astros have security guards dressed up as librarians going through the crowd, telling them, shh, be quiet every time they got loud? Oh, I, mean, I saw on Twitter somebody tweeted crazy. out. Yeah, somebody tweeted out on, out there, uh, Minute Maid Library. And yeah. That, yeah, that's what it sounded like. And I wasn't the only one. I saw a bunch of people on social media. I did too. And, 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 and it wasn't great either on Tuesday. This is 
frankly, Stephen, this is a habit from Houston fans, and it's one it has got to change. If you want to become a real sports town, your fans have got to get into it in the playoffs way more than this. This was pathetic. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it was actually a little louder Tuesday than it was. Not much, but a, a little bit louder Tuesday. Today, it just seemed like you could almost hear a pin drop. And I don't know if everybody was having the hangover after the Alvarez home run, including Astros fans. <laughs> they cheered themselves out for the last couple of days. But come on, guys, you know, let's cheer loud. It doesn't have to always be something going on for you to scream your head off and, you know, get into the other team's heads. It it can happen in baseball, at least to some degree. Yeah, I, I just uh, see this as like a recurring issue. And forget hangover. I think maybe we need to hand out free drinks, Stephen, at the Astros game or something like that. Well, I don't know. Yeah, anything to get them going. I mean, I'll tell you what, I've been to some – I live in Austin and – I've been to some UT games where uh, yeah, just a whole lot louder than Astros games, especially because you're sitting in a part of the stands and some of these guys are drunk and they're carrying on. Well, you know, I don't promote drinking and being drunk, but hey, whatever you got to do to get these fans loud, let's get them loud. Any final thoughts before we take off? Well, you know, Dusty Baker made a comment at the end after the regular season ended that I thought was interesting. He said the Astros were winning, but they weren't hot. And, uh, you know, he may have a point to some degree. They, they have pulled out these two games, Robert, certainly. But they've had to rely on one or two guys to do it. I mean, mainly Jordan Alvarez and, you know, Kyle Tucker. A few others have contributed. But I just I, – I still need to see a more consistent offense going here because that's the way it's been all year. You know, they've been up and down and up and down. And, yes, I know – it's the postseason. You're facing the best pitching that you possibly can. But I still think that this team offensively can bring it some more and want to see that in Seattle. Yeah, good pitching, by the way, by Castillo. He was very good, and I'll give that guy his props. He's a darn good pitcher. There's a reason why he has all the buzz that he does have. And um, I also want to remind everybody that on Wednesday, my regular co-host Sean Bajani with Sports Radio 610 Join me on the show to go straight hope and positivity on the Rockets and Texans. So it wasn't just Astros positivity after the Jordan home run. We had hope and positivity for all of the Houston franchises. If you need Houston sports hope, go back and listen. Earlier today, I had my weekly visit with my NFL fantasy football expert, Andy Rio. It's in the feed. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's way more than fantasy, though. Andy walks us through the best NFL matchups and storylines each week. I'm telling you, the guy knows his stuff. I've known him for 30 years. We went to college together. Uh, it's been like 15 or 20 years that he's worked up for fantasy websites. But, mm. you know, he he just knows it. I mean, he lives it and breathes it, and it's great stuff. And we always open with Texans conversations, so make sure to check it out. Steve and I... We're going to be back for Astros live post games as long as the season keeps going. The yeah, next one, it. yeah, the next one is after the 3 p.m. Saturday game. So Saturday, and if they go another, it's a Sunday afternoon game. So we're sticking in the afternoon. So we'll be early evening both times. Tell your friends, tell people that you know what we're doing. Hope you're enjoying it. And thanks again, Stephen, for helping me with this. You bet, Robert. We'll see you on Saturday. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. 
Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.